Well, today is a really special Sunday because as you can see, we're going to have not just one communicator, but we're going to have five different messages from five different leaders on the theme of this truth changed my life. So this is what Jesus said about truth in John 8, verses 31 through 32. It says this, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, Jesus was teaching his disciples and teaching us in this moment that we are all bound by our past and our mistakes and our, our shame and every single second, every single word, we're bound to that. But because of Jesus, because of the truth that can be found in Jesus, we can all be liberated, we can find freedom, we can find redemption and peace. And these five are leaders on our teams, and of course, so they, they're used to speaking to their teams and leading huddles and sending communication out to their team, but today, this is completely different. This is new territory for them. And so what I wanna ask you, church, both online and in person, I just want to ask you to go crazy for them, to encourage them as they're starting, as they're speaking, and as they end for, for their messages today. Can you do that for me? All right. Thank you. Thank you. And the reason why I want you to lean in and take notes and, and really take care of what this message is today is because there is truth God wrote into their stories that will bring more freedom into yours. So let's give it up for our first communicator today, Erlinda McCall. The Sunday of that week, we went to visit and right away decided to call Velocity our church home. And so today, I want to share a, a verse from a well-known story about a sinful woman who wept at Jesus' feet. It is taken from Luke chapter 7, verse 37, and it says this, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, in this story, Jesus was invited to the Pharisee's house to have dinner. So when this woman heard that Jesus was at the Pharisee's house, she intentionally took her perfume and went to the house. Now, at the Pharisee's house, Jesus was not preaching or praying for someone at that time. Jesus was just having dinner. And this woman, standing behind Jesus, just being in Jesus' presence, wept. She cried. She wept so hard that her tears wet Jesus' feet. She let her hair down and wiped the feet. Now, when I read about this woman, it reminds me of my own experience with God's presence. When I first had an encounter with God's presence, I could only cry like this woman. I was in awe of, of his glory and holiness. I had no words. I just wept. 
I believe that was the woman's experience when she met Jesus. Honestly, I spent days and days trying to find the right words to explain this experience, but I had no words. At first, I thought it must be my limited English vocabulary that I could not explain this experience that I have with God's presence. Then I tried to explain it using my own language, but I still couldn't. So I came to this conclusion that my words are limited, but my God is not. Now, the closest illustration I have is a glass. When I fill a glass with water to the brim, it doesn't overflow. But if I keep pouring and pouring and pouring, the water will just overflow everywhere. In God's presence, that is what I experience. That's what happens. God fills me, not just to the brim, it overflows in the forms of tears. You see, in this story, there are two responses or two approaches to God's presence. Number one is to respond to God's presence like this sinful woman. She came empty and left being filled. Or number two is to respond to God's presence like this Pharisee. He came full of himself and there was no room to be filled. Another thing that I reflected on when I read about this woman is that after some time, you know, I don't think this woman would weep every time she saw Jesus. Probably there were times when she wept, but I believe she grew in her relationship with Jesus. Jesus' presence became more and more familiar to her. Now, just like the first time I went out for a date with Albert, my husband, <laughs> I felt like my heart was about to jump out of my chest. I spent the whole night planning my outfit. I was so nervous. I was so excited. Well, obviously, the date went well because this year we celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. Woo! <laughs> so, after 10 years of being married, do you think I still feel like my heart was about to burst out of my chest every time I see him in the morning? No. <laughs> but every day, we intentionally have fun together. We intentionally spend time talking and listening to each other. And we intentionally plan special things for each other. And honestly, there's no one else I'd rather spend time with. Speaking of intentional, Intentional is my word for this year. I want to be intentional to pursue and seek God's presence like this woman. I want to be intentional with my relationship with God by putting aside time to read and meditate on God's words and spending time to have personal worship and corporate worship just like what we have at church and spending time praying to God every single day. You see, the woman was intentional. When she heard that Jesus was at the Pharisee's house, she took her perfume and intentionally went to seek Jesus. So I encourage you today to be intentional with your relationship with God. Seek His presence. Pursue Him. Be intentional. Thank you. Good morning, Velocity Church! My name is Josh. I serve on the worship team. 
Uh, first, I want to give honor to God before I get into the word uh, for his grace, because without, without that, I, I would not know where I would be right now to speak to you on today. Um, I want to honor Pastor Justin and Marissa for allowing me to uh, speak on your platform. I also want to thank you for having uh, the courage to build this beautiful church. Can we give a hand for that? This is just amazing, amazing. Um, Man, I also want to give a, a shout out or honor to God to Pastor Andrew uh, for investing and in coaching me and being a role model, just a great friend. Um, also wanting to give a shout out to Yoko, man. Woo, you guys are literally my, my family. Uh, I would not be the man I am today without them because, to be honest, they just show me nothing but love. If you don't know about Yoko, they meet every night on Sunday, uh, actually today, Sunday, after, uh, at 6.30, uh, at 6.30. If you're not doing anything, come on out. doesn't matter what you're wearing. You have pajamas. I had a bonnet on. They didn't care. Uh, <laughs> it's just being comfortable, you know. Nobody's going to judge you. You may be asking yourself, um, why are you thinking a lot of these people? These people have been nothing but examples in my life to how, how to live a healthy, in a healthier environment. Um, and not just in the church, but outside of these four walls, they've shown me that. Um, and and to, in order for me to, to, to be in that healthier environment, I have to have a relationship, not just a relationship, but a healthier relationship. Um, and then that's going to now, I start to notice that I'm in getting produced into this fruit, this healthy fruit. You might be asking yourself, man, these words sound familiar. Why are you, these, I'm trying to figure it out. Where is it at? It's in Matthew 12 and 33. We'll read about it a little bit more. If you pull out your Bibles, it said in the Messenger Version, it says, if you grow a healthy tree, you'll pick healthy fruit. If you grow a diseased tree, you'll pick worm-eaten fruit. The fruit tells you about the tree. You have minds like a snake pit. This is Jesus talking. He said, how do you suppose what you say is worth anything when you are so foul-minded. Wow, Jesus, you ain't going to talk to me like that, okay? But he says, it's your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is a blight on the ore card. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. If you want, if you can, whisper to your neighbor and say, wasn't that the truth? Oh my gosh. If you're watching online, definitely whisper and say it as well. But man, we know from this scripture, um, it's talking about the words that we surround ourselves with. The words that we surround ourselves with are then going to be the words that we create to speak out of our mouths. So the words that we see on social media are going to be the words that we speak out of our mouths. The words that are nothing but negative in this, the place that you're surrounding yourself, it maybe could be work and maybe could be school, um, it's then going to be the words that are going to come out to your mouth to someone else. I'm not much of a gardener, uh, but I know to get that healthier fruit, to, to really actually get a really juicy fruit, you have to surround that plant or that fruit with a healthier environment and also pour it in pour into it good nutrients, okay? I, I'm, I'm, I just know the basics. I'm just telling you. But uh, for those of you who are taking notes today, we're going to be talking about how words matter. Um, one time, 
we all remember the words that were spoken over life. Some of us have remembered the, the, the best words that were spoken over our life, and some of us remember the worst words. For me, it was the worst um, words. Um, there was a time that I was on vacation uh, just, just out of the blue. That I was rushed to the hospital, didn't know why, until I woke up and was told that I was diagnosed with epilepsy. It was tough for me. Um, to think about, to even know what that is. My parents had to explain it to me to say, you are not gonna be fully developed in your speech. Um, you, you will not um, have abnormal functioning. Um, you, you wouldn't have a fully developed brain in a way, I believe, for that. Um, it was kind of hard for me because I had to go to school to have that all on my mind. I know I have five minutes. <laughs> it's very, very emotional to get out, but it took time for me to actually notice that I couldn't do a sport that I love, which was running. I'm sorry, Pastor Justin, I love running. <laughs> if you don't like but I love running and, and I love playing, uh, playing music. Um, but it was, it, was, it was tough for me to be around other kids as well because they were like, man, don't you wanna run with us? Don't you wanna play and everything like that? And the teacher was also asking me those questions, but it was like, man, I couldn't actually do that. And they're like, why? Just like, you know, because I have epilepsy, I have epilepsy. And they're just like, wait, what? You can't what do you mean? So some of the kids made fun of me, and some of the kids were like, man, we can't hang out with that dude. But you know what? I met a man named Jesus. <laughs> I had to meet a man named Jesus. <laughs> this man told me that I am a leader. From there on, I started seeing my picture change, or my, my words change into my life. I started being in places I never thought I would be in. I'm at KU, y'all. I'm at KU studying music and education. I'm, I'm, I just now got acceptance into the Army Band, someplace that somebody also told me I wasn't able to be. I'm now in a church that I'm leading in praise and worship that I never thought I would be leading, leading others such as friends I never thought I would be meeting. Like, man, uh, just, wow, we serve a mighty God. Just amazing, just amazing. Um, that's, that's why it's that's why I really care, and I'm very thankful that uh, we are a part of a church that is very biblical and very truthful in worship. Just like we sing today uh, from Promises, it says, I give my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation will never let me down. I could sing that on for days. I ain't going to lie to y'all. But we only have five minutes. I'm sorry I only have five minutes, but those words are very, very strong. It's very powerful because it's saying that he will never turn his back on us. You know, every promise that he speaks, he delivers on. His words never, he never goes back on. Like, he will never turn his back on you. You know, we put our faith in Jesus because great is his faithfulness. So what I encourage us to do today and this week is to look at the environment that we surround ourselves with. Um, let's ask ourselves, since you are taking notes, uh, let's ask ourselves, this is one point, it says, let's, let's, um, Let's ask ourselves, what words are we consuming and, what, and, and, and believing in? And what words are we speaking to ourselves and to others? Because words matter. I'm going to say that one more time just in case you did not hear it. Let's say it all together if you can. Words matter. Thank you. Let's get up for Josh one more time. That was awesome. All right, hello everybody, my name is Nathan Weed, and I am the production director here at Velocity. And what that means is I get the honor to lead and serve that great team back there. 
And what's great about being on the production team, it's just not about moving faders, writing cues, holding cameras, or putting lyrics on the screen. We get to create an environment for God to speak, revitalize, and refresh the people who are coming into this church. And we are, and once everybody executes on the team well as a collective, it makes the whole experience great and wonderful to worship in for God to radically transform everybody in here. So I think the production team's the greatest team, obviously. I'm a little biased. Don't let, don't let the worship team fool you over here by being, being able to be on the team. What they need to remember is we get to mute them. <laughs> but anyways, what's ironic about me being up here is that the production team knows they do well when they're not seen. So let's just take a production team member and throw them right on stage as well. And then um, what's also ironic is that when I was in school, I actually would not go in front of the class at all. In fact, I would actually take an F before I even would get in front of class. I would refuse to speak in front of people. I was too afraid. So a lot of that stems from when I was younger, uh, I got diagnosed with Asperger's, which is actually a form of autism. So that really messes with my social ability to connect with people. Um, I have a hard time to more on the surface level of talking to people. Like the, I can connect better with people on a deeper level in a way, but it's really hard to have deep conversations right out of the gate when you don't know someone. And picking up on social cues as far as body language and stuff like that is very difficult. And that has culminated into social anxiety when I was younger. So I was afraid of what people thought about me way too much. I would think, man, what do people think, think of me if I get up there on that, uh, get in front of the class and say something? What are they going to say about me? So that is uh, interesting to think about because if you think about it, it's like um, there's a character in the Bible who also had a problem, Moses. Moses actually had a speech impediment. He actually stuttered. And when God asked Moses to come and go, and go to Pharaoh and say, hey, let my people go, he said, wait, I, I don't know if I can because I have a heavy tongue and heavy mouth. So imagine if Moses just said, no, I don't want to do it. I, I'm just like, just straight up just took an F. Imagine if he just didn't go at all. The people wouldn't have been freed at all. So before I go further, I do want to share my verse, which is in Philippians 3, 12, 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of which Jesus Christ took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take and have hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward is what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which is God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. So the reason why I brought that up is Moses pressed on towards his goal to go free the slaves in Egypt, and he won. He did it. So there's other people in the Bible too. Job lost everything, his kids, his wife, everything. But he pressed on towards his goal, and then he gained everything back in double. So Paul persecuted Christians when he was Saul. And then what happened is he became a Christian through Jesus. And he became, and he wrote, he wrote most of the New Testament. He got a, chunk, a good chunk of the New Testament. And if he didn't press on towards a go, he wouldn't have never done that. And why? Because he had a purpose. They all had a purpose. They didn't let their past define them. They had a purpose in their life. If you would ask me when I was younger, 
um, if I would have ever been in leadership at a church, I would have thought you were insane. I never thought I would have been up here speaking in front of people or leading a team at all because I would have been, my social anxiety went, went through the roof. But I pressed on because I know God has a purpose for me. So I keep going towards the goal to keep building the team, keep building the church, and to make it God's kingdom great. And what's, one, one thing, I, what's really funny is when I was telling PA on one of my one-on-ones, because my pastor Andrew is my mentor, is we, uh, we, we have weekly one-on-ones, and when uh, I was telling him that I would really love to get better at speaking in front of people, being able to connect to people, being able to learn how to talk to people, and then he let me finish and then turned around and said, that's great. Would you like to be part of the Young Communicators? <laughs> With all that being said, though, my main point is, is my past doesn't define me. My purpose does. Okay, hello, my name is Madison, and I serve on the kids' team. Being up here is super new to me. During the week, I'm actually an elementary school teacher, so I'm used to talking in front of seven and eight-year-olds and not adults. <laughs> when Pastor Andrew told me the theme for this year was the truth that changed my life, one verse came to my mind, and that verse is found in Psalm 139, 14. It says, how you made me is amazing and wonderful. I praise you for that. What you have done is wonderful. I know that very well. Now, if you've grown up in church, or you've been on Instagram and read some people's biographies, you've probably heard this verse before. You may ask, why pick a verse that so many people knew? See, so often we can hear the truth over and over again and forget how powerful it is. See, our default is to take things that are extraordinary and just take them down to something that's ordinary. And as a teacher, I always remind the kids in my classroom that their words are powerful. What they say impacts the way they act and feel as well as the way others act and feel. See, on Sundays we have this kids code we say with all our kids in our classroom. We remind them of truths that are true in their life and that God believes about them. We say things like, I am courageous, I am a team player, I am a friend, I am the future. We repeat this code each and every Sunday. But there's always this one line that sticks out to me. It says, I am creatively designed by God. A simple statement that can be hard for a lot of us to believe. See, when we think of the words creatively designed by God, our first instinct is to think about our outward appearance. But God isn't just referring to the way we look, but the story that he's writing on our lives. See, our story, so we're creatively written and designed by God. And if you're like me, there are probably chapters in that story you wish you could change. See, one of those chapters in my story is how I got to Lawrence. When I moved to Lawrence seven years ago, I told myself that I would be here no more than one year. I did not like it, but God had a funny sense of humor. See, I felt so alone. My family was in a whole nother state. My twin sister, who I'd gone to school with forever, was actually at a whole nother school, and I was just here. I remember sitting in my dorm room crying, letting the enemy whisper these lies about me. See, I wasn't good enough. Classes were hard, so I would never be successful. 
Making friends was difficult, so I would never find a community. And my family, they were far away. Everything that I had known was gone. I thought, God had called me to this place, but how could this be his plan? This wasn't good. That year was by far one of the hardest years. I pulled away from God because I didn't trust his plan for my life. I tried to be my own source of strength. I was lonely, I was sad, I was anxious. I wondered where was God in all of this? But I love how in scripture there isn't always a period, but a comma. See, my story could have ended with that was the hardest year, but with God, my story looks a little something like this. But God, comma, God didn't leave me throughout my anxiety and anger. But God, comma, didn't abandon me when I ignored him. He came close. See, my story, it didn't end with a period there. That was only the beginning. And just like there's power in the words we speak, I believe there are po there's power in the songs we hear and sing. See, there's a song by Cody Asbury that plays on the radio, and there's a line in it that says, the story isn't over if the story isn't good. See, the first part of my story, it didn't seem good, but I believe in a God who redeems stories, who called us known and worthy even when things seem dark. See, God didn't end my story there. He actually brought a community into my life that was beyond anything I could have imagined. He provided a church home that gave me a purpose, and he gave me a job that I love and a passion. He showed me that although his plans aren't easy, they are good. And sometimes I wish I could rewrite that chapter in my story. I could instead write a story of a girl who trusted God completely and surrendered to his will. But I realized God wrote my story to show me that while I was in darkness, he was my source of strength. See, I can trust that God's plan is far greater than mine. God has creatively designed and written my story and my life to be a testimony to the work he is doing in me. Through my doubt, loneliness, and fear, God wrote a beautiful story of nearness, trust, and joy. He has creatively designed my story and my life just like he has done for you. So I believe the most powerful thing we can do is share our stories. And remember that God isn't done writing yet. Where we may see a period, God loves to put in a comma. We are creatively designed by God, and he's not done designing or writing yet. Thank you. Hello, Velocity. How are we doing today? Good. Well, it is awesome to be here today. My name is Jess Mitchell. Uh, I have been coming to Velocity for about five years now. I got to start off by serving for four years on the amazing production team, and now I get to help lead out our communications team. So we're the team that takes the photos, posts on social media. We even help design some of the graphics you see on Sundays. And it is so fun to create those things, but one of the best parts about being on this team is that we get to see so many stories of life change coming through these different channels and hearing those stories 
and then we get to share it with all of you across all these platforms. And it's such a blessing to be able to see that and share how God is working in the life of people in this community and beyond. Uh, so it's a great team. Uh, if you are ever interested in joining the team, you know who I am now. So come find me in the lobby or, you know, online family. It's just just at findvelocity.org. It's super simple email. <laughs> well, I am so excited to be here today to t share with you a truth that changed my life. So we're going to start off in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. And you know it's a good psalm because two of us chose to put it in our messages, right? <laughs> so this is a psalm written by King David. And in it, he is praising God for how powerful he is, but for also how well he knows each and every one of us. So it says... I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I love these verses. We can learn so much from it. So first of all, we can learn that God is ever-present. No matter where we go or what we do, in our best and our worst moments, he is there. But this psalm also says that God's not just there with us. He's also going to be the one who's going to guide us and strengthen us in all those moments. And I got to say, thank you, Jesus, for that, that we are not on our own. <laughs> this truth changed my life when I needed it most. When I was in middle school, I started to experience what would be the first of many bouts in my life of anxiousness and panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And there were a lot of feelings connected with those situations, but one of the ones that was scariest to me was this feeling like I was getting separated from my body and my senses, almost as if in my head I was pressed against a TV screen and I could look out and watch life happening but I just couldn't connect with it. And I just let those feelings spiral me into a panic. And I struggled sometimes to do the things that I loved. And some days I didn't even want to leave the house because I believed that if I took any steps forward that were outside of this little zone I deemed safe for myself, something terrible would happen. And I think a lot of us struggle with fears and anxieties that just overwhelm us and just stop us right in our tracks. And it can be so discouraging when we think we've gotten over something only to have it come around again days or weeks or months or even years later and just drag us right back down to the place that we don't wanna be. But in that midst of fear and isolation, God blessed me with Psalm 139. Now, the truth that's written in this psalm didn't necessarily change how I felt in those moments of panic in my body, but it did change how I acted. It changed how I asked for help because God showed me that one of the ways he could guide me and strengthen me was if I connected with the community that he blessed me with. And so it was tough, and sometimes it was embarrassing, but he helped me communicate with my parents who were with me every step of the way, and we found a counselor where I could learn more about this fear and learn how to cope with it and walk through it. And when I could better understand myself and what I needed, then I could discern and embrace next steps for my life, even ones that I falsely believed could not be for me. And I remember one of the biggest was deciding to move from Pennsylvania to Kansas 
for my first job out of college in 2017. And I remember being so paralyzed by that decision and so scared of leaving every solid foundation I knew, even though I knew this door was open to me. But when I did make that step, it became one of the biggest opportunities and blessings in my life. And today I'm in a healthier spot when it comes to handling that cyclical nature of anxiety with one of the strongest senses of love and community I have ever felt right here in Lawrence, Kansas. And I am just so humbled and thankful by how God has transformed my life from this fearful 14-year-old who sometimes didn't even want to go to school to someone who can better rely on the Lord and move forward even when that anxiousness comes back around again. So what are the places in our life where fear is holding us back? What are those anxieties that are dragging us down again and again, lying to us that we cannot move forward? We can't achieve the dream that God has placed on our hearts. We can't step into the next season he has called us into. We can't reach out to the person in our life who needs help. We can't. It is just much safer to stay where we are and stay by ourselves. But you know what we can say to that? Our furthest place of fear cannot compete with God's loving presence. Amen. It's so true. It's so good. In this same psalm in verse 5, it says that God goes before us and follows us and places a hand of blessing on our heads. And then later in verses 17 to 18, it says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And if the creator of the universe who loves us and knows us and wants what's best for us is going to be there even in our worst moments, then there is not a fear too dark that cannot fall in his presence. Amen. And one of the best parts about it is that if God's going to guide us and strengthen us all the days of our life, no matter where we are or how we feel, we better believe that he will not leave us in the place where fear has dragged us down. Thank you so much.